Who you calling crazy? Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Kuhnley. Today, my guest is Heather Cole. She is the CEO and founder of Heather Opal Art. She's an artist, a painter. She makes door charms that are just amazingly beautiful and hearts are at the essence of everything that she does. She says her work is a celebration of life full of experience from joy to hardship and back. By honoring the hard stuff, we can fully celebrate the joyous moments in life. And by honoring and celebrating one another, we can create the capacity to honor and celebrate our own experiences. Hang around to hear Heather and I talk about high functioning anxiety and being empaths, among many other awesome things. Right in, sister. So when I say mental health, what are you willing to share with me about your mental health journey? Woo! Okay. Um, this, I don't know if there are very many people that know this about me, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bear it all. Um, I have dealt with anxiety and depression my entire life. Um, when I heard the term high functioning anxiety or high functioning depression, I was like, whoa, there it is, nail on the head. And so it's something that I've always been aware of. And the interesting thing, one of the reasons why, the biggest reason why I paint hearts is because um, I had a heart procedure when I was 17. So I have always been very aware of my body and how my emotions affect my body and Mm. vice versa. So it is something that has never really not been on my mind. And the interesting thing was after I had the heart surgery, it was an ablation procedure. So it closed off holes um, and trigger points. So after the procedure, I kind of had to relearn when my body was telling me to chill out. Yes. And, and even, even now, you know, I was so nervous to do this. So on the way over, I'm like, okay, elevator breathing, elevator breathing, elevator breathing. (laughs) You've got your techniques now. Like, you know what to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it makes it so important. mm -hmm. So when you first saw that term high functioning anxiety, right, which is, it's not like a technical diagnosable clinical term, but it's, it's me also sister, like, it's those of us that on the outside, we are like doing all the things. And on the inside, it's like that duck, of, you know, underwater, he's paddling um, yes. like crazy. That's us, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. People say, you're so calm. You just make me feel so calm. And I'm like, I'm so glad I make you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> because inside my mind, my heart's going a mile a minute. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So just like you said, the duck with the feet under the water. Yes. Yeah. So techniques of, of breathing and, and, and like listening to your body is so important, right? Because it, it is our, our first line of defense. I always tell clients it's like our, it's our alarm system. So when your body has these things like your heart racing or sweaty palms, like it's trying to tell you something. So you've gotten yeah. better at listening to that. Listening and um, owning it, you know, because it's okay to feel that way. 
And when you do feel that way, if you have the tool like elevator breathing or some act of self-care, it's so important to listen and think it's okay that I'm feeling this way. I don't have to pretend like I'm okay. Hmm. I don't have to hide. I don't have to make this look good. I can say, you know what? I need a minute. Or um, it's funny when uh, 10 years ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and um, one of the porters said to me on the way up, it was summit night. You wake up, you take a nap, wake up at 7 p.m. and then you start climbing. Okay, so summit night goes into summit morning. Well, I did not summit because I have extremely low blood pressure and I um, have an iron deficiency. And so I wasn't getting enough oxygen to my body to be able to make that climb. So I turned around and went down. And before I was able to turn around, he said, Heather, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And now I know if someone, if a friend says to me, I'm fine, I know that that is code for you are not okay. That's so true. Yeah. Fine is not okay. Yep. But we're conditioned to respond that way. Yes, yeah. we are. Uh-huh. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And some of that's about our own. Like, if I can just ignore it, maybe it won't be real and take on a life of its own. And some is about, I don't want to burden you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But so you've learned now to own it and to give yourself permission to be real about it. Absolutely. Yes. Because what that does for other people is it gives other people the chance to say, oh, I can have a boundary. I can set boundaries too. I can, I can have more self-respect. I can expect respect from other people. Mm. And, you know, like, why does that have to be this light bulb? But it really is. It is. And that girl, I mean, that's the point of this whole thing is like we can have permission to um, have boundaries, self-compassion. And so much about what you're saying is um, getting better at extending that compassion to yourself, though. Like, you know what? I'm not okay, so I'm going to ask for um, what I need. I'm going to set this boundary. I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to, yeah, huge difference. Is there a moment, so with your history of anxiety and depression, um, either a moment where you were in it and you knew or upon reflection, you kind of um, see it now as a turning point um, as far as your mental health and some of this ownership? Um, So I'll speak to that question from my art business perspective, being a small business owner, being an artist, um, working at home, also being a stay at home mom, you know, the turning point for me was last year during COVID where, you know, things really came to a head for everybody. And so what it looked like for me and what I knew was the tipping point was um, I had developed a lot of coping mechanisms that were um, manifesting as weight, Mm. physical weight, things like binge eating in the middle of the night because I was pulling all nighters to be able to get work done and I would eat to stay awake. Um, Drinking way too much coffee during the day, you know, things were totally backwards for me and nobody knew about it. 
Hmm. And every time I looked at a picture and I thought, that's not me, you know, like I'm this smiley, happy, fun, happy, go lucky all the time. But I look at that girl and I'm like, wow, wow. And so the tipping point for me was, um, Jackson is mom, 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 mom. You know, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, don't forget this thing. Don't forget this thing. Don't forget this thing. Don't forget this thing. Mom, 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 mom. And finally, it's like, I just exploded. Yeah. At onto Mm -hmm. my treasure, Mm -hmm. my perfect little treasure. And I thought, that is it. That's it. Something has got to give. Because my business is important to me. Being a working artist is so, so super important to me. Sparking joy in the community is so, so important to me. But how and where did my family take a back seat? Mm. And that was a major, major eye-opening experience. And... I feel like that type of thing is really cyclical because it's like, oh, okay, things are getting a little better, a little better. I can add, I can add, I can add. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden the crash happens again. So it's, it's very much a work in progress. Um, I loved that Tiffany from Confetti Castle yesterday got on Instagram live and she's like, burnout is so real. I know. I loved that she said that because I was like, yes. You just let me feel that. Yeah. It's so validating to hear from other small business owners uh, that like when you're set, your, your mind as a small business owner is constantly going all of the options, all of the answers, all the potential, all the things. And then as a mom, that's all happening. So like, where does it all go? <laughs> right. It's, we're not meant to function like that. So yeah, I felt the same thing when I saw her video. I was like, preach sister. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They say that um task switching reduces productivity by 40 percent so i don't get to not switch tasks because in the middle of a sentence mom mom and that is not a complaint that is just the way it is and so we have to we have to learn to deal with that but in learning to deal with that the confusion sets in and the mom guilt sets in and someone said to me, well, you have to get better about time blocking. And I'm like, I ain't got the time to block. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sounds great on paper. Uh, Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's um, the multitasking we know is a myth and that's what you're saying. Right. But like somehow we've, we figured out how to do it. And that's the thing is like, we think we're doing it well and like, no, but I can do this until that crash. Yeah. And, and so that moment, that turning point for you though, but you, you were awake to it. You were awake enough to say, I'm going to let this be a learning and a turning point and I'm going to do something different. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Good. it's a work in progress back from the, the habits, the bad habits that had set in, you know, it's, it is understanding um, basic needs and making mm-hmm. sure that basic needs are met. You got to sleep at night. <laughs> you know, you just have to sleep at night. And, um, and so since December, there has just been 
this, um, things have just gotten a lot better since December. And I just hate it sometimes that you have to reach such a low point to have something trigger in your mind to say, okay, intervention, it's time. Yeah, this isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But for the, again, those of us that are doers, that's sometimes what it takes, right? To realize like, oh, this isn't actually working. Yes. Yeah. But the beauty is, is that we can give ourselves that grace and forgiveness and our families can too. And we can undo some of that and start doing it differently. Yes. Yeah. So um, can we also talk about, so we're both empaths. Uh Yeah. So not only we've got the high functioning anxiety, but we're highly sensitive people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I call it my blessing and my curse, right? Um, Is that how you feel? Oh, 100%. 100 Mm -hmm. percent how does it manifest for you like what does that look like in your life being an empath so um i'll share the example with the ray of light collection every year i have um um a collection that is either printed or hand painted and i sell the whole collection and i give more than a hundred percent of the money from the collection to someone in our community that is experiencing extreme hardship. And really it's my way of saying, we don't know each other. I don't know what it feels like to go what you're going through. I know the fear and all I can do is sit here and paint and pray. Mm. And that's all I know I can do. And everybody that buys a piece from that collection has their own story and it honors their story as well as the person who is in the thick of it at the time. And so I was working on the Ray of Light collection, um, which, you know, I say the McDonald's, like I know them, I don't know them. Um, And And I kept thinking about the little boy, Nash, and, um, you know, he and Jackson are so close in age. And I just kept putting myself in the family's position, Mm -hmm. which I can't not do. Being an empath, I just can't not think about how someone else feels. And um, by Friday, I was spent. I was spent emotionally and I needed to, I needed to go. I needed some time to process without doing anything. So I got in the car and drove down to see my brother at the beach, three hours in the car, my phone died on the way. And it was kind of like, Mm -hmm. the only thing you can do is put yourself on cruise, you know, not you, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, put the car Mm -hmm. on cruise control, like don't even press the gas and just, steer just be just be just sit just be quiet and just get there breathe in the salty air you know we did really physical work for 48 hours and then for three hours home it was just sit and be and and I learned from um, someone that I follow on Instagram going with grace she talks about these rituals when you are an empath or when you are in a position of 
being in a, an emotional environment and you could take on some of that, which I think to an extent, it's impossible not to. Like it's easy for us, but it's pretty impossible for other people to not feel something. And she talks about just having the self-care rituals to be able to let it go because it doesn't help. It doesn't help the McDonald's, yeah. you know, it doesn't serve my family when that kind of thing happens to me. And, and I just have a hard time of letting it go. So mm-hmm. I um, called my best friend and was talking to her about it. And she said, you know, the world would be a better place if more people were able to feel the way you feel. And I was like, but it's so hard. I don't want that for other people. It's heavy. It can be heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, Yeah, it really can. Mm -hmm. It really can be heavy. You're so right about and, and that what a gift that you had that time this weekend too. Um, yes. And I mean, I have noticed that in quarantine that um, it used to be the car ride home from the office to the house where I could have that space. And now, you know, I haven't had that. So having to figure out what that routine and release can look like. Yeah. Um, when you don't have the gift of, of 48 hours to go <laughs> spend away from your kids doing physical labor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that's really important is to figure out how to release. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if it's how it is for you, but so often those of us, again, that are empaths are highly sensitive, the, the inner critic can be very loud too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Th- those yeah. Ten- tend to go hand in hand. Um, so again, kind of coming back to just like self-compassion, I think that that's huge when you're trying to understand that weight that you're, you're carrying emotionally that, that doesn't even necessarily belong to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And being so self-critical, I think, um, also as an artist there, I had imposter syndrome when I worked in corporate America in it, which you would never think that I worked in it. Um, but creative people are necessary everywhere. (laughs) And then now as an artist, I think to myself, you know, I'm more than an artist, actually. I'm running a business. I'm an inventor. I innovate. There are all these other things that I do. And I find that I also have to, I I have to like give myself these pep talks. Mm -hmm. That's right. And what I've learned about you and kind of witnessing your journey is that, um, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of artists, but you wear it so I can tell, um, but your emotion, uh, there is so much emotion in your work and in your process. So I can see how you can get so drained because you're not just like slapping paint on a canvas. You are pouring something into it. Absolutely. Yes. One brushstroke brushstroke at a time that requires so many other brushstrokes. It's not just one brushstroke. And that, you know, I, I don't do a great job of really explaining what the, what the brushstrokes are all about, because I find that, you know, people feel something, they know that there's something there, but they don't necessarily know exactly what it is. And so when I say, well, this is a teardrop, Mm. but it's not falling. It's moving up. Mm. They're moving up. They're moving around. These are teardrops. It doesn't have to be sad. Our emotions come out some oftentimes as tears, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's sad or, or fear-based or, 
you know, anything negative. We, we cry when we laugh. We cry when we're just, you know, having a great time. We cry when we hear something amazing and it just gives us the chills all over the body and, you know, it comes out as tears. And, and so that's what the brushstroke represents these mm. tears, these, this array of emotions that we all go through all the time. And when you put the two brushstrokes together, it makes a heart. And the heart is just like, that's just my one word equity all day long. Mm. Yes. And I'm just, I'm just hearing in that, like there's the space and the place for all of it. Yeah. 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 We don't even have to label it as negative or positive or whatever. It just is. And it's all necessary. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. So because of that heaviness, all of that. So other than um, being able to do the physical labor stuff, which you're, which you love, what else do you do for self-care? Okay. This is going to sound really funny, but I love socks. <laughs> socks. I love socks. There is something about a really great pair of athletic socks or I don't know what it is about my feet, but when I put on a brand new pair of socks, I feel so good. Okay. So they need to not bunch, right? They can't bunch or slip down your ankle. You're not even talking yes. like fuzzy socks. You're just talking like any socks. Yeah, like straight up the Puma socks from Costco are yes. where it's at. <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, so when you're taking a break, you're putting on socks. When I when I know that I need to be really conscious of my body, I put on socks. I love it. And I don't know if it's maybe that I don't want to feel any grit or dirt under my feet. You know, I think it's also really important to be barefoot outside. And that's a very grounding activity to put your feet in the dirt you know, or just yes. walk around in the grass. You know, yes. like we're not talking to dig a hole here, but <laughs> um, but there's something about your feet just being clean and then putting on a brand new pair of socks just feels so good to me. I love that. <laughs> Heather, I love that. I mean, it, it, it's it's like silly. But it's also so beautifully simple that there's something you know that is like comforting and cozy for you. Yes. And what I love about that is that self-care is so intimidating for people. You know, we always talk about it like, I don't have time to go like draw a bubble bath. Okay. So find a thing that gives you that feeling that you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The car wash today. There's something about being in the car. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you're in this vacuum. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the sound is muffled. You have this protective barrier from the rest of the world. There's something about being in the car and then going through the car wash. I don't, I mean, you know, yeah. I said in my stories today, some people get pedicures, some people yeah. get their hair blown out. I'm going to drive through the car wash. <laughs> so you and your socks in your car, I think you just like to be like surrounded. There's like a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm here for it. Um, favorite quotes or mantras and why, what do they mean to you? Okay. So I don't know if this is grammatically correct, but, um, I talked to an English teacher and he gave me the, okay, but my tagline for my business is love is the bond created at the heart of shared experience. And 
and we can celebrate the good times together, but really it's the hard stuff where you create a serious bond. And even with regards to friendships, when you go through hard things with a friend or in a friendship, if you can come out of the other side of that, you know that that is like, that's a strong bond. And I, I repeat that in my mind over and over and over again, because my work and what I'm doing in general is not about me. It's about, it's about this human experience mm -hmm. that we are all experiencing together. We may not be the ones in the hot seat at the time going through the thing, but we're connected to it in some way. And we can either, we've either been through it, know someone that has been through it or understand the fear and anxiety. The fear, of, yeah. What if that ever happened to me? And so that that's just kind of my little quote that I that I say to myself all the time about my work because it's it's my life work, but it's also not about me. Mm -hmm. So say it one more time. Say it slowly for me. I want to soak it in. Love is the bond created at the heart of shared experience. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Any English majors feel free to tell me if that's just mom that'll be my mom later by the way. She okay. <laughs> no, but it's 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 beautiful and it's always um I think multiple times on this podcast I bring up um this quote that Maya Angelou shared uh, with us about I'm I am a human being therefore nothing human can be alien to me. And mm. yeah, and that's that that's what you're saying. It's that shared human experience that if we strip it all away at the end of the day, here we are. We've all got that emotional experience. We all can understand that and tap into that on some level. And if we can just see that in each other, it's so authentic and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's so unique about this last year. You know, we all went through this collective trauma together. So it was Absolutely. like the the first time in our lifetimes that we, we all did go through something that we all got, you know, I mean, maybe our hardships during it were certainly different. Some of us had different privileges and others, but at the end of the day, we all went through the same collective trauma. And so there's something really unique about that. And I think a lot about how I want us to come out of that holding on to something different. I don't want us to bounce back to how it was before. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the slowing down, the taking ownership of maybe what we've learned during this. Um, and, and, you know, it comes like, like you talked about your turning point. Um, I think those lessons that you're going to carry forward, I think a lot of us have similar lessons like that from, from this year. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. If you could go anywhere in the world with anyone to, to witness a sunrise or sunset, who would it be and where? Okay. Um, we had planned to go to Greece for oh. our 10 year wedding anniversary, which obviously could not go last year. Um, and so that is a, just a dream. I would, yes. I would love to one, one day go to Greece and watch the sunset with my hubby. And because of my anxiety, I cannot imagine leaving the boys here. So I 
a need for them to come too. <laughs> yeah. I that, need it to be a family trip. I love it. That's a bucket list location for me too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I hope you guys are thinking about it 2022 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Heather, thank you so much for your openness and your honesty and just, it's so important um, to have conversations like this. Like, I just, I really appreciate it. Is there anything you would add? Anything that else that comes to mind? I'm kind of, you know, just to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm like already slipping into that space where I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. what have I said? Oh, say it right. Like, I'm gonna have to rewatch this a thousand times. And I don't know, it just like that self doubt mm -hmm. is already creeping in. So I guess, I guess in, in closing, I just want to thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. I think it's outrageously important for mm -hmm. us to have these open and very candid conversations. Um, I think that, that it gives other people permission to feel and to speak up and to honor what they're going through. Um, so thank you for letting mm. me be a part of this. Thank you. Thanks. And, and I want to just say, so the therapist in me, I can't leave what you just said without <laughs> acknowledging it. Right. I don't want you to rewatch it. Like you, <clears throat> you put yourself out there and you showed up and, and there, there can't be anything wrong with that. You know, and so that's that inner critic we were talking about. So can you meet her with some self-compassion, right? And just to kind of ask her, ask that inner critic, what does she need? And just let it be because you sh that was a gift. You shared your story and it's a gift. And even the people in the comments are saying you were awesome. Oh, well, I'm going to go put on some socks. <laughs> go put on some socks. <laughs> I'm going to go put on some socks. Like now I've got to go check this out with a new framework. <laughs> socks. I love it. Okay. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. In this episode, we talked about characteristics of highly sensitive people, that that can often look like being an empath uh, and being someone with high functioning anxiety. So while almost 19% of adults in America are diagnosed with a clinical anxiety disorder, high functioning anxiety takes on the look of someone who is on point, right? Like from the outside looking in, they are nailing it. They're doing all the things, their time management is awesome. And for that person internally, there can be a lot more of a, a frantic feeling where the that helpful component of anxiety that helps us motivate and prepare is kind of overworking. And so it really helps to understand how this manifests in our bodies. So for me, it's a tightness in my chest. And that way I can be much more intentional throughout my day of pausing and really using some deep breathing and grounding skills to calm that feeling. And it also helps to understand your thought patterns. So with anxiety, there tend to be a lot of thinking traps, like catastrophizing or thinking in black and white or making assumptions. And when you can catch those and name it, you can really tame it and keep it from taking on a life of its own, or you can challenge it and kind of reframe that thinking and maybe even have a mantra for yourself. So you kind of just repeat to yourself, um, you know, my best is good enough. Um, I deserve to rest, things like that. And the other part, which is really important to take away when you have uh, big feelings and carry some of this in the ways that we're talking about is that there's, there's a both and. It doesn't have to be an either or. So I can feel the grief 
and the heaviness of some of the story that I've just heard. And it's okay to soothe myself and learn how to compartmentalize and move along. Uh, I can feel this pressure of this anxiety and I can learn uh, that it's okay to do things differently, right? And these are skills. I mean, these th this takes practice. So it may sound simple, but it's certainly not easy. So hang with us as we'll continue to talk about lots of practical therapeutic tips along the way in this podcast series. So who are you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy.